this nine pound hammer Step to heaven Oh my thighs Oh my thighs Take this hammer Short to the captain Tell him I'm gone Tell him I'm gone He should ask you Where I went to Tell him you don't know Tell him you don't know Yo guys, here we go. Welcome back or welcome to the Man Child Podcast. Uh, been a little bit. I hope uh, I hope Christmas was great. I hope you're off to a happy new year. Uh, listen, here's the deal. I'll say everybody loves to say it's a new it's a new decade. It's a new year. It's a fresh start. Well, not if you don't change anything. Nothing changes if nothing changes. And you'll go right back to the stuff that made you miserable if you continue to do the stuff that made you miserable. It's pretty simple. All right. I'm not here to get on a soapbox. Actually, it is. We created a whole media platform so that we could get on a soapbox. But I don't want to take any more of your time because we've got a really, really, really special guest. Um, before we talk about her, got some announcements for you. Uh, listen, the man-child headquarters, meaning where I live, uh, is moving. It's moving uh, back, uh, carry me home, take me home, country roads to the place I belong. We're moving back to West Virginia. Uh, we've mentioned it before in some of the podcasts by trade. I am a strength and conditioning coach. We are headed back to Marshall University, the thundering herd. We are Marshall. We're excited. It's a great opportunity for me and my family. It's been a wild, wild, wild year. And uh, ironically, 365 days to the day since I resigned from there is the day uh, I just took a phone call and we're coming back there. So we're off and running back in that and things are already uh, big changes, big time changes and all that sort of stuff. Um, Guys, you can still buy things on the store if you want to buy shirts and represent kind of what we're all about. and, And hopefully if you identify it with it. Uh, you know, the things we talk about are getting out of the way of fear and anxiety and being tough enough and gritty enough and loving each other enough to do the things and live this life that uh, we want to live. OK, so let's get to this guest. All right. Casey Bones is the tough guy you wish you were. All right. She lives in Lamar, Texas, which is on the coastal uh, southern, southern end of the great state of Texas. And she is a red fishing, uh, and flats fishing, fly fishing guide down there. She runs her own show on her boat and she has an epic, epic struggle well story of how that came to be to go out every single day and live on the water and provide for her and her daughter. And it's really, really cool. There's so many different things to unpack here. She's an avid uh, and just stellar surfer, won the state championship longboarding uh, competition down there. There's a whole uh, Texas surf community that she is very much a part of and just some really, really, really interesting things. We'll obviously have it, uh, her information out to you guys. If you'd like to book a trip with her uh, and go down to South Texas and, tr- and, and chase redfish um, in one of the more unique fishing 
areas in the United States or anywhere else for that matter. All right. We kind of pack into just being just deciding that this ain't going to work and you want more out of something. And and really, you know, we love the romance of the struggle when it's over. But we're honest with ourselves and she's very honest and and candid in her conversation about, um, you know, a lot of times while it's happening, nobody likes to struggle. But it's very, very few times when we're done with that or we're on the other side of that struggle and gearing up for the next one that we're remorseful that that struggle took place because it's only just loading our toolbox to handle the next one coming up. Okay. Um, if you got any, if you got anything, man, if you like what we're doing, if you, if you got any comments and stuff, please do, please rate us on uh, Apple iTunes at the Manchild Media Podcast. Um, and uh, we're working on just trying to grow this thing. It's going to be a little bit of a transition now that we're moving and all that kind of stuff. But we, you know, we're not faking anything with you guys. We'll tell you exactly what's going on along the way. All right, here we go. Let's get it going. See ya. What you know about me? What you know about child? What you know about struggling well through this life? We're better together. What you know about man child? Hey, welcome back or welcome to the Man Child Podcast. Really? jacked up stoked about our guest today casey bones guys this is one of the most interesting women you'll ever hear of meet and you get to listen to her right now uh casey thank you so much for being on the podcast thanks for having me so tell me i know all about you but they don't so who are you what do you do and how are we talking right now what's going on uh, I don't know if we could cover all that <laughs> in a matter of a podcast, but, right. um, you know, I, I don't think that there's any, um, confusion to what I enjoy because I've been so vocal and open with the things that I love on a social platform or medium, um, however you want to refer to it. Um, I'm a little bit antisocial in real life. I think that is a, uh, something that's probably pretty confusing to some of the people who follow along with the things that I do, um, because I am so cavalier and, uh, not afraid to share certain things. And I'm definitely not afraid uh, to put my, my personal experience or opinions on things out there. I think sometimes that's misconstrued as like a negative, but, and, and well, mostly nothing, nothing ever gets misunderstood on the internet. I never, mean, never. never. No, everybody I, is on their best behavior. I think everybody knows me <laughs> to, a, to the T. Like I know exactly who she is, yep. but no. So, so a little bit about me in real life. Um, I, I'm antisocial. Um, I really like my home life. I like being by myself a lot. Um, I have a very, very small group of friends. I think I can count all of them on four fingers. Mm. Um, and that's personal choice. Um, 
And so a lot of my free time I spend with my daughter. I have two dogs that are a part of my daily life and they bring me a lot of joy. And I, you know, I devote my life to my, my kids basically. Yeah. And to, and to being out on the water and whether that's, you know, on a surfboard or on my boat or waiting or just being at the beach, um, driving across the bay every single morning, I get one of the most beautiful sunrises and one of the most beautiful sunsets uh, that the Texas coast has to offer right here and every for, day. So for the listener, you are mm-hmm. you're on the Texas coast. What? Where are we talking here? I am. So I'm on what we would call the middle coast. Uh, I'm in Rockport, Texas. Okay. Uh, I'm about 40 minutes north of Corpus Christi. And um, about, I'm pretty far from Houston. <laughs> I know okay. a lot of people try to, you know, when they want right. to come down and book a trip, they're like, well, can I fly into Houston? I'm like, yes, but you have about a two and a half, three hour drive. Right, right. Um, so I actually live in a really cool town. Okay, I call it a town. It's not. It's an unincorporated city. It's still technically Rockport. But we have our own community out here. We're part of the county. And uh, Goose Island State Park uh, is located on the Lamar Peninsula. And within the Lamar Peninsula, there is a community out here. And we have gas station and we have a restaurant. And and we're super tight-knit community. It's it's really cool. Everybody kind of knows everybody. And if you don't actually know that person... You know of that person. Yeah. Um, and so I like that. I like the the small vibe that it brings where uh, we have oak trees, uh, the coastal oaks. They, um, they're amazing. And they actually have, from what I've experienced with them, more purpose to this place than anything else. Um, you know, we went through that hurricane and these trees took majority of the brunt of the hurricane for us. And so we, we live in a really, it's a special place. It's a really special place. And you're a, you're, you're a full-time flats fishing guide. I am. Yeah. So I don't just do fly fishing. Okay. So there's, I am totally against like super niche like things to where they already start and like to me like two miles into a conversation and like somebody that wanted to get in you know listen to something and they go what do you what is that I don't even know what that is so you you're people don't even know what the flats I'm from I'm from the Midwest like people Mm -hmm. don't even know what that even means I'm a flats fishing right right so what are we talking about here Okay, so the flats are uh, sh- a shallow area. It's um, it's it's within the barrier island. Uh, so we have these bay systems, and then we have these flats that come up <clears throat> to mangroves, marsh, and and this extends really far. So this isn't just in Rockport. This is, you know, the the closest inshore system that we have that holds grass oysters um, mud bottom sand bottom um, and it's all very shallow so 
when we flats fish, we're fishing and you know, there's, don't get me wrong. There's flats fishing in other places where like you go down to the keys and maybe the flat there is three foot of water. Right. That doesn't mean it's not a flat, <laughs> Right. but here our flats are shallow water. Um, How shallow are we talking? I mean, I'm pulling in anywhere from six to eight inches of water. And so when we flats fish, we're typically sight casting. And so to get more specific into what it is that I do or Mm -hmm. what I do on my boat is it doesn't necessarily have to be fly, but we sight cast to fish. Now, whether that be on a spin, a spinning rod or a bait caster or a fly rod whatever pick your poison but we're throwing at fish that we're seeing and we're feeding the fish that way we're watching everything happen we're watching them eat we're watching their behavior we know exactly where to put the bait that we're using and and we're catching fish that way and i'm biased but it is it's the coolest type of fishing that there is I couldn't agree more. It's, it's <laughs> super visual. You're watching it happen. It's basically like, it's like hunting on, totally. on, on the water is basically yeah. what it is. I've it's, always used that analogy too, because I grew up hunting and fishing my whole, I, I've been hunting and fishing my whole life. I was more into hunting as a young girl until I was about 28, I was dead set on hunting every single year. My, we would lease these ranches. Granted, I mean, we only hunted on two because we leased them for so long. But every year, it was the preparation and getting ready and, and kind of like that scouting mentality, you know. And, mm-hmm. um, and then being stealthy. And it, it does, it gives, and that's why I love sight casting so much is because you get to see what it is you're going after. It's not like, you know, when I, I like to go bait fishing too, <laughs> you know, right. uh, and, and sometimes that's really fun. Sometimes I like to just throw a rod out with a popping cork and a shrimp on the end of it and just stare at the popping cork. Right, right, <laughs> you right. Know, that's fun to me sometimes yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it does give that that hunt uh, predator aspect of uh, the human instinct that I think we all naturally have. Well, and it's un- and for most people, it's it's untapped, and we don't ever scratch that itch that we don't know we have. And we and I've right. talked about that at length in other episodes. But it's just we we're we're sick and we're bored and we're nervous and we're anxious and so much of that can just get remedied by kind of going out and doing what it is we're kind of designed to do. Um, and and yeah. we don't do enough of it. So how I always I'm obsessed with backstories and you are a full time guy. You get to go out on the water every single day and build this lifestyle that you want. And that's what the premise of this podcast is, is is basically set struggle and sacrifice purposely to build this lifestyle that you want in putting yourself in the driver's seat and not thinking that all this stuff just happens to you. Yes, terrible things happen, but let's, if you don't mind, dive into how we got to you are a flats fishing guide in South Texas, you know, okay. running, running your life. How, how'd we get there? Yeah. 
Well, just to give a little bit of a backstory on how I even ended up living uh, here on the Texas coast, because I'm originally from the hill country in Texas, from a tiny little town called Bandera, Texas. Uh, it's the cowboy capital of the world. Wow. <laughs> you, yeah. Uh, you drive in, there's a huge sign on the side of the highway, and it says, welcome to the cowboy capital of the world. <laughs> Population 897 or something. Now, how did they get that title? Like, how do they get to um, claim cowboy capital of the world? You know, rodeos. And okay. I, honestly, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm sure there's some uh, specific person or uh, event that took place that, you know, allowed them to deem that the cowboy capital of the world. Yeah. When I was living there, I was very young into my teens. I was it, kind of like rebellious. I didn't I didn't want to live there. <laughs> it was nobody at 16 years old who wants to surf or be at the beach, wants to live in the hill country where, you know, you can go to the river and throw rocks. And I didn't I didn't grow up in a fishing family. My my parents would send me down here to Rockport every single year uh, to stay with my grandparents and they don't live far from here. And, uh, they would take me on these fishing trips. You know, my grandfather would hire this guide. His name was Jerry and he's passed since, but I just remember, you know, I was always the first one up ready to go because I wanted to do things that involved being out on the water. And my parents didn't have that knowledge of the rivers or anything. And so I had, like, in hindsight, when I look at living up there now, if I was to go live up there, I would very much be occupied and entertained because I have those tools. Right. But I didn't have them at the time. And so my parents would send me down here, and I just loved it. And I did that every year for many, many, many years. And um, I enjoyed it. Where do you and, think it came uh, from? Because you're a hill country girl. Like where, mm-hmm. where's this love for the water? You know, where, where's that, where do you think it came from? You know, my mom used to tell me these stories. My mom grew up in Oregon for a long time and I've only been there once and I didn't spend much time there. It was cold and rainy and I thought, why would anybody live here? You know, but I remember how beautiful it was. And she used to tell me all the time, she had this love for the ocean and she had these really old, um, photos that were like in the cardboard still. And it just had this like little one by one picture where I'd hold it up to the light and stare at these ocean waves on the Oregon coast. I'm like, man, that's so beautiful. And, and so at a young age, my mom was kind of conditioning me about the ocean and and wow. and then I would come down here to the beach every year to stay with my grandparents and and my grandma loved to take me to the beach oh my gosh she if, yeah. if I wasn't at the beach every single day I was she was taking me shopping for stuff for the beach and so and I just fell in love with it at an early age it just wasn't as accessible to me as it has been since I moved down here yeah so and then, it, you know, and so this it just it just got in your bones. Speaking of which, it it, it did. Where? <laughs> it did. Why do we call you Casey Bones? <laughs> so, excuse me. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, well, yeah. we're going to tap into a completely different story. Yeah. I'm a little bit Sorry, all over we'll the place. We'll bounce around a little bit. Sorry. So um, about, I don't know, five years ago, I want to say, I haven't really um, obsessed with my past that much. So my timing might be a little bit off on this. But five years ago, give or take, um, I was very, very much into hunting and I needed an, I needed an outlet, some sort of creative outlet for myself. Yeah. And because I love being with myself so much and I don't mean that in a vain way, like I love me. You gotta love you. I Everywhere like you go, being you alone. Yeah. <laughs> I like being alone. Yeah. I, I, I wanted to spend time with myself and I wanted to make things. And so I just kind of for fun started repurposing these sheds and all kinds of stuff. Like anything I could find out at the hunting lease or any old animals that we shot, you know, the horns or whatever, the hide, teeth, anything, anything I could use that wouldn't smell or rot on a piece of jewelry that I could work with, I was starting to make. And I had made a few pieces and then I had a couple friends like, dude, that's really awesome stuff. Like, will you make me one? Sure. And so fast forward a little bit, I started pumping out piece after piece after piece. And these are, you know, they're not, they don't replicate. There's, there was nothing that was one in the, the same. Yeah. It was all different. And I got this really amazing sense of self and gratification and just content with making these pieces. And so I ended up starting an online jewelry store and had the opportunity uh, to get interviewed by Lone Star Outdoor News, which is a Texas-based newspaper. Yeah. And it kind of blew up after that. And I had an opportunity to make some really cool pieces um, for some Texas country music singers. Um, American Aquarium, the lead singer, had me create a piece for his wife. And so <clears throat> I, I, my company was called Glitter and Bones. Gotcha. <laughs> and a radio personality... was having a conversation with me and he was like Casey Bones (laughs) and I was I it kind of had a nice ring to it you know I was like hey that's kind of a cool nickname you know yeah because he was referring to me and my jewelry company and ever since then it stuck (laughs) and it never left (laughs) and so uh yeah I don't think anybody there's a few people that know who I am like uh my 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 birth name and everything yeah. my name is casey <laughs> Got it. my last name is not bones okay. for the record for the record but, but that's casey how bones that came out you. i got it. it that's how it came out so it has nothing to do with fishing um and it has nothing to do with anything that is a part of my life now other than the fact that it's kind of this brand that has developed over time um, that that just stuck with me as, you know, Casey Bones. 
<laughs> really? So it hasn't all been trips to the beach with your grandma and hanging out and summer vacation. I mean, there's been some some tough times that's kind of got you to where you're at right now. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting. So you were, we had talked before, uh, and, and you had gone, you were going to school, right? And then there, right. was, there was an illness, correct? Right. Yeah. So um, my dad was diagnosed with stage four metastatic prostate cancer. Um, we're going at eight years ago now. And, um, I, it it was, it was hard for me, but it, it was, it was really hard to understand the severity of somebody who's been diagnosed with something like that, because at the time he was still kind of in good health. He still hunted. He still did his everyday things. And, um, you know, so, so, but the most important thing was that I was here to be near my dad Yeah. and, um, and, and over time that has progressively gotten worse. And my mom passed away when I was 19. Mm. So, uh, losing my mom was pretty devastating for all of us. Uh, we're, we have a lot of relatives, but we're one of those tight knit families where it was just really immediate family that we spent time with on the holidays, you know, grandma, grandpa, and then, you know, the four of us, I, I also have a brother. And, uh, so when my mom passed away, uh, we all kind of just dispersed and, you know, I, I, um, I kind of wanted to do my own thing and I didn't really know how to take the loss of my mother. Mm-hmm. It was very, very unexpected. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, you know, when my dad called and said, you know, Hey, I'm down here at the coast and come be here. And, you know, and then he ends up sick. It's, it was, it was pretty devastating, I think. Yeah. And, and I felt I felt like I didn't have any other choice to be anywhere else. Not that that was a bad thing, but whatever it was that I was going to do with my life was going to be done here. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it, it was, it, it's, and, and, you know, this is still going on. This is, and he's progressively gotten worse and we're at the point now where, you know, we're, we're coming, we're coming to, we're coming to, I don't want to say the end because I, I don't even want to accept that. Right. 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 But we're getting to the point where there's weakness, there's surgeries, there's hospitalizations, there's weight loss. There's, it's very much more drastic now than it was then you know something that we when in talking to other people and, and in my own life when there is loss and when there is pain it's almost like um a really opinionated editor 
to your life story. You know what I mean? To where you like you almost double down. Like you're talking about like what I'm gonna do and how I'm gonna do it and where I'm gonna be became more and more clear in the immediate aftermath of of the pain and loss of your mother. And then even so, you're still continuing to double down and and zero in on exactly who you want to be and how you want to live and and get rid of all and just trim the fat, for lack of a better term, and get rid of all the nonsense and wasted time and all that. And just this is I want to be this and I want to do this with these people because I don't know how much. And it's it's very interesting how. Uh, pain and struggle can can really make us shave off a lot of the nonsense in our life and right but, but it's a choice because we can we can de- we can waller in our own self-pity and say you know I can't believe this would happen to me and and why God and you, and you cry out and all these sort of things or you can just say like this is this is short and this is precious and and we need to we need to buckle down here and and live this life the way we want we want to live it because we don't know how how much of it we're going to get um so i think it's it's really uh it's interesting way take that you've put on it and so you're down there and and at what point you came down here to stay with your dad did you decide like you know i i've always loved fishing but i think i can i can make a living doing this well, I was an engineering student, and um, I thought my whole mentality and perception was, okay, if I'm going to be here in the coastal bend, I'm going to have to make money. Let me give you a little background on the coastal bend, Corpus Christi specifically. Okay. Oil refineries, gas refineries, a bunch of industrial type work or you work at jack-in-the-box um oil industry here is big okay right i never would have thought being an engineering student that i would have ever left this kind of i settled I was settling with the engineering because because my mentality was, well, I'm stuck here emotionally because I'm not leaving my dad. Right. So and I have to make money because I'm a single mom and my daughter deserves a really good life. I'm going to get the best degree that I can and make as much money as I can. But that would have meant that I would be working for Exxon or Chenier, you know, these, these companies that go against exactly what it is I love, you know, it affects it in some negative way. And, and so there I was going to go exploit, um, this, this industry for money, you know, Mm -hmm. and be unhappy and be upset with myself. This realization didn't come until later. And, you know, I got towards the end of, towards the end of my schooling and I was fishing a bunch. I was surfing all the time. I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I was the girl where it was like, if the surf was going off and fun on a day where I had school, <laughs> I was not in class. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like 
I was at the beach while my kid was at school because my soul wanted it so bad. And I think that's a tribute to my personality a little bit. It's like life is short and I'm going to do things that create happiness and experiences in my life over things that make me feel like I'm trapped or stuck. And so I decided, you know, I'm leaving this. This is not what I want to do. And I left. I left school. I just never went back. And um, about that time, I met a wonderful human who is now one of my best friends, who, but who's also Mac's husband. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Uh, a lot going on there in that statement. Yeah. yeah. And it, but, you know, it, I don't know. I'm not sure there should be a lot going on. It, it sounds confusing because I think that it's unconventional right, for today's it. society, yep. Yep. you know. Yep. But, it's, it's supposed but I'm really to be dysfunctional. Exactly. Right. And when it's right. not, it's, it seems strange. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we're not supposed to like each other. Right. <laughs> we're not supposed to hang out, you know. And um, so, you know, we met and... I, I had had a couple of fly fishing pictures that I had taken up on the river up in Bandera when I went home to visit. And, and you know, I was selling these little trailers, these pop-up trailers or whatever. And he messaged me about them and then saw that I had some fly fishing pictures and fishing pictures. And he messaged and he was like, oh, do you like to fly fish? And I was like, well, you know, I'm not really good. And, and I really love fishing, though. And I love hunting. And so he was like, well, I got a pulling skiff and I've been doing this for 15 years. So let me take you out. You know, let's, let's do this. And at the time it wasn't anything like, like it it didn't, it wasn't even going to be a relationship. It was just some nice guy who, who wanted to go fishing. And, and I, I was all down for it. Well, we ended up having our first dinner together because no way I was going to go out on a boat with a complete stranger, which there's a little bit of irony there. Right. Um, yeah, because now you're but, charging and, people to do that. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> now, now I charter a bunch of strangers yeah. all the time. Yeah. And But, you know, at the time I was thinking, I'm not getting on the boat with some guy I've never met before to go fishing out in the middle of nowhere on the water. You know, he, but we ended up having dinner and just completely clicked and loved each other just loved each other and and there was so much joy because he shared a lot of the same love for the water that I have and um we were both in a position where we could spend every single day on the water if we wanted to and that's what we did we did it every day that we could be out there I'm not kidding probably four or five days a week for a long time you know I mean seven, eight months, a year, you know, we were, we were on that boat all the time. And I learned so much from fishing in general to a boat. I, you know, I didn't know, I know what a boat is. I've been on plenty of boats. Right. I didn't know what the, the purpose of a pulling skiff was. You know, right. this wasn't something that was ingrained in me prior to meeting him. Like I, I show up and I'm like, what is that? Yeah. For the folks who are going on that, that? (laughs) like that's things tiny. Yeah. So Um, like for the people that they've never, and there's plenty, like, you know, some of my uh best friends in the world, they don't, 
they don't know what this is. So what what are you what a is technical a, polling skiff? Yes. So so it's a it's a it's a small boat. It's a flats boat. Mm-hmm. Um, here in Texas, we have flat bottoms. Majority of them have tunnels. And they a lot of the people up are, here have flat bottoms too, but it's a whole other reason. Uh-huh. They just they, they eat too many hot dogs. That's why they have. Oh. <laughs> well, yeah. South Texas, <laughs> we have the taco problem, so I exactly. understand. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and so these boats are set up to uh, have a pulling platform on the back, which is situated by the motor or above the motor, and then uh, somebody stands up there with a long pole yeah. and pushes the boat while another person stands in the very front and you you basically pull this boat very slowly and stealthily and and you look for fish and the person in the front casts to the fish and and that that's that's what you do in a pulling skiff yeah. you catch fish <laughs> so you have this just deep like it's it's interesting because you you leave school and then mm-hmm. you go to flat school, basically four to five. Pretty days a week. much. Yeah, I went to I went to, yeah, I, it, it was being in love school, fishing school, uh, all kind. Of, I it, it was it made me feel so alive, like and free, because it was the exact opposite of what I was subjecting myself to. And it was a reminder that my decision, it just affirmed that my decision to not pursue engineering was right because there were, I felt so much happiness and, and so much love. And, and not only did it bring a little bit of nostalgia for me because I just love being out on the water mm. and it reminded me of what it was like when I was a kid fishing these bay systems, but it taught me so much that I didn't even know existed or ever would exist. I've seen some of the coolest stuff out on a boat that you just would never see anywhere else you know, other than being on a boat. Right. And so yeah, it it was it was this really freeing transition to okay, I didn't know if this was going to be forever between he and I, but I knew that what was happening and what I was experiencing was the right track for me to be on because right. it made me feel good. Yeah. And so yeah, I and and then from then on i just i fell in love with fishing and i mean fly fishing yeah you know 2 years ago i would have sat there and been like i'm a fly fisherman because right. i thought i was so cool you know yeah i'm like yeah i only use a fly rod yeah no and to evolve now from what my learning process was then I'm just a fisherman. I love catching fish in any style. I love it. Yeah. And, um, and so that, that's kind of where I'm at now where I've evolved as an angler, but kind of back to 
where it came about that I was like, okay, I'm going to fish for a living. Yeah. Which is a way bigger decision and, (laughs) and like something to say than it is to say, wow, I just really love fishing. There's plenty of those people doing that. There's not a lot of people yeah. that just say, and I'm going to just, this is how I'm going to live also. So I, I took all my eggs and I put them in one basket and I bet on myself. And because there was no other option, when I decided to commit to fishing, fly fishing at the time, this was it. It it was that, or I'm going to go bartend somewhere. I'm going to be a bartender again somewhere. And and then I would probably have all this resentment for myself because I left school and I would have all these what ifs and regrets. And I just knew that I, I couldn't do that. I, that. This just wasn't an option for me. And so, you know, once I decided it was a year You know, it was a year of hardcore fishing with my ex-husband. I mean, we, he, we grinded it out. And, and, you know, at that time I bought my own boat Mm. uh, with my own money. And it was a 2003 Maverick HPXT. Same boat I have now. Um, Well, same, same brand, same brand, same model, but different color. Uh, it was my very first boat, and I was really proud of it. And I'll tell you what, I didn't even know how to confidently back that thing out of a driveway, you know? Like, this was stuff that was just, like, gonna have to come with time. And everybody has a learning process. And I I was that girl on the water in my little boat that I wasn't, I wasn't hauling to get somewhere. I was you know, very cautious of the water and always watching the water, always worried about what was underneath. And so I was kind of this slow poker, you know, this grandma driver uh, in this boat. And, you know, the perception of it is, wow, that girl doesn't know how to run her boat. Well, maybe I don't know how to run my boat in five inches of water, you know, at the time. Right. Because I wasn't comfortable. I'm not. I'm to this day. I'm still not comfortable running my boat in five inches of water. Well, first off, that's a that's a urination contest because skinny it's, skinny it's, waters for fishing. Exactly. It's like look how fast <laughs> I can run. It's just it's it's like jacked up trucks at Daytona Beach. Like nobody yeah. cares, dude. Just yeah, out, you know. Um, but, but at that at that time, though, you know, I was still very very green. I felt very comfortable on the boat with my ex-husband because I've been rolling around with him in his boat forever, you know? Yeah. And, and then, and then when I got my own boat, it gave me this vulnerability, this, this sense of doubt, this, now you're in control. Now you're responsible. Nobody else is going to drive you around. This is on you. And so it took a while, you know, for me to just get out there and feel confident of being in my boat by myself and running around. And, you know, when, once I got to a point of being able to confidently, safely, and understand my boat and get to places to fish, 
I said, okay, I have a level of confidence. I'm ready. I'm doing this on my pace. I'm not doing it how everybody else thinks I should do it or how everybody wants me to do it because that's how everybody else did it or that there's some unwritten rule that you have to do it this way. I'm not that person. I'm doing things the way that I know how to do them, the way that I've learned how to do them, and that's just what I'm going to do. And so I ended up going, getting my captain's license, and um, then we got the hurricane. Uh, Hold on just a second. I got it because I'm I'm taking some notes while you're saying this, and I think there's some really interesting things to unpack here. One is... There are plenty, plenty of bartenders that hate themselves or people sitting in their classes that never get to the big Hollywood moment of the this is this is what I'm going to do with my life. And and this is what I know I love. There is plenty of people that know what they love and will not move towards it. So victory number one is you did that. But then. And then, so movies show us that, and we make this comparison with our own lives of like, um, well, you know, that's that's just Hollywood, and I can't be me. But what they don't show is like when you're like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a fishing charter captain from now on, and the end. That's a movie, right? Real life is, yeah. And then you jackknife the trailer and don't know how to back it up, and then you hit. <laughs> And and hit oyster beds in five inches of water, and everybody's flying by you like you suck. And so there was there was multiple occasions to feel like I'm a poser. Like it was it was a oh yeah, you know because it wasn't just my own self doubt that I was dealing with, you know. And and that goes for anybody who decides to do anything in life, you know, to having a big change like that. I think because it wasn't my own self doubt that was sitting there going. God, Casey, this was a huge jump. Are you going to fail? You know, can you even do this? Are you ready? Are you worthy? That was one of those things that I questioned a lot. Are you worthy? And, and that, that was almost a game changer for me because dealing with, and this is everywhere and I'm not a victim here because it happens to everybody, but Nobody just opens their arms and says, come here, you welcome into the guide community. Why don't they do that? Nobody does that. Why can't we do that as human beings? Why is it if I give this person affirmation, it means it's I I call it the zero sum relationship policy. Mm -hmm. It's like point for you means I'm losing. So, like, we withhold love and gratitude and encouragement from other people because it makes it it, something about it. When someone moves towards the life they want to live, it challenges us and we we instantly want to disqualify them so that we don't have to feel compelled to challenge ourselves. I think that's what it is. Absolutely. And I think there's another part of it when we allow the ego to come into play being that um kind of veteran in something is that well i'm looked at like well pff, she just learned how to back the boat down the driveway why is she allowed to do this mm-hmm. i've been doing this for this long okay well that's great but i i'm sure there was one day when you didn't know how to back the boat down the driveway either 
you know? And, and so, and not to get too much into that because I have evolved my mentality a little bit over the last three years. And here's why, because when I first started, it was not easy. It was wake up, look in the mirror every day, cry a little bit and say, don't give up. And I know that sounds like BS right now, but I literally did that. Like got up, got out of bed, feeling heartbroken, feeling worthless, feeling like I didn't have support. And this is after you've already made the big decision. This is after I've made the decision. Right. See, that's what I want people to take home right and now. And it's where is the support? You have a big moment, you're going to feel terrible. right. And and I was sitting there screaming at the top of my lungs, wondering where is the support from my peers? Right. You know, and it was this this kind of like pity me. I'm so crazy. I made this decision, and now I want everybody to support me. Right. And that's how I look at it now. But back then. It was, it, I had such a hard time understanding why os- being ostracized from a community, basically, you know, from the fly fishing community at the time to, to now, uh, or, you know, to, to waking up every day and still continuing to do it, even though people just hate you and they hate you. It's, it's not one of those things where, oh no, they just don't like you. No, they hate that your presence is there. And why? Um, because the pie is getting smaller and smaller. Gotcha. And with social media now, and, and this is me. I'm speaking for me, not for anybody else. With social media, number one, as a fishing guide, I don't care who you are. If you are fishing water and you are taking money from somebody on your boat to take them to go fish something that belongs to everybody, you are exploiting a resource. Mm-hmm. Deal with it. That's just what you're doing. I do it every day. Yeah. But there are certain ways that we can go about doing that, Mm. that preserve what we have, that protect what we have for the future and the longevity of this resource that that graciously gives us an opportunity to put food on the table and pay bills and give people experiences that they're not going to get anywhere else. And so when I think people look at more and more guides are coming into the community and, and social media is just all over the place, you know, I mean, there's just, there's pictures everywhere. There's people putting where they are everywhere and, and, and some of them don't even know it. And so, and, and then there's this image, this Hollywood image that you're talking about what we show on social media is very much like the movie. And so it gives people this image that anybody can do it. And that's not true. Right. That is not true. You can't just, anybody can do anything, whatever, but just because you're watching photos of me, take my Instagram, for instance, right. And post a bunch of photos up there I didn't ever post pictures of me crying in the mirror for months. I didn't post the pictures of me being stranded out on a freaking island calling everybody I knew to come get me and nobody would come get me. Why? Because they don't support me, you know? 
mm. or that I had to call somebody I barely even know who doesn't even fly fish and he had to come get me, you know, <laughs> and that's within the people that I, that I knew were in town. So if any of my little homies here are listening, <laughs> I'm right. not talking about you. Right. <laughs> come save me if I need you. Yes. But, um, because I would do that for them, but. Well, I think so, there's something you, you, when you say not everybody can, you, anybody can do anything. Not everybody can deal with the hurt that comes with great risk. And I think that's that's when you separate folks out there. You know, totally in, in any endeavor. It's sure. Right. It's, it's not how much you want to do something. Right. It's what you're willing to do to continue to do it. Is where it's at. How much you're willing to feel. Yeah. Too. I, there were multiple times I remember telling my ex-husband, like just having this drag out, dramatic, over the top, wailing, crying, misunderstood kind of representation of myself. Like, I quit. I hate this. I hate it so much. And, and it's not that I hated it. I hated the struggle. I hated it so bad. And I didn't appreciate it back then, but I do now yeah. because I'm still here. And uh, yeah, it's hard to it's hard to appreciate the struggle while it's happening. It's hard oh, not to appreciate it after it happened. I think absolutely. And that's not to say I still don't struggle. I mean, the the struggle is alive and well. And I think in this industry, it always will be because we always have to kind of compete against each other. Yeah. You know, when we're all promoting the same redfish. You know, yep. same picture, different guy holding the redfish. What is it that you're doing for yourself that's making you stick out? Right. You know, why why are people more inclined to book this guy and, and you know, not you or yeah. the other way around? Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, 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 you're knee deep, you're hip deep in this new life that's kicking your butt and then a hurricane. Yeah. Yeah. Hurricane Harvey. <laughs> it, uh, man, that, that was life changing on a lot of different levels. And I know anybody who's ever experienced anything on that level of nature, just taking, taking your creature comforts or just the comfort of life, uh, your, your schedule, your consistency, your, your relationships, you know, when you, when, when I dealt with that particular, uh, time, it, it just, it, it made everything so discombobulated. Like I felt so far away from everything because nothing was the same. Everything was different. Mm. Even the things that you look at on a daily basis, the conveniences you had, like a fence for my dogs, you know? Yeah. I know that sounds childish because people lost so much, you know? And we, we, everybody lost. But I'm saying that in a way because, you know, we all lost something. And, we all came back from it 
you know, but there were some things that were lost that were never repaired. And, um, I attribute a lot of that storm to my marriage, the, the failing of my marriage to a drastic change in how I saw the world. Um, and, and how I saw myself. Right. Again, and the, so, the, the editor came to visit again, <laughs> you know, it, it showed back up and it's, it starts shaving stuff away again. You know. Oh yeah. Yeah. It definitely did. So there was a major change after the hurricane. How, um, if you don't mind me asking how, like how so, how does the storm, I mean, obviously, uh, not obviously because I've never been through a hurricane, but something that traumatic that that rips up this your home your lifestyle your surroundings has completely changed um how does that reshape how you start to view things in what way for you because for me it put me in a uh it caused a lot of stress and it motivated me to kind of numb this feeling of of disconnect of my family of my life with uh you know just kind of moving along life without any kind of ambition like it was just you know here we are picking up the pieces and we were getting it done and 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 we were we were obviously making a path forward in life but it's it it's how i changed as as a person that kind of shifted my direction you know and then you have all these outside influences too you know like you know then my then my relationship started struggling and like really severely and um and i was doing bad things like okay when i say bad i'm not talking like go to jail bad but i was not being a kind person to myself and and I was drinking a lot and I I wanted to party and I wanted to just kind of forget that it ever happened. Mm-hmm. And what I wasn't paying attention to was all of the I, I wasn't aware that that was going to compromise everything else and that I could potentially lose things forever. And so, well, I think that's, I mean, I don't think anybody wakes up and goes, you know what? I want to be an addict or I want to have a terrible, terrible habit. I think we're, we're all just trying to go out and feel good about something. You know, we're trying to, uh, we're trying to numb something that hurt. Like we're just, we're trying to stop pain and that's where, uh, addictions come from. And then, but, but it, and it takes a lot of digging. It takes a lot of nasty, hard work to look yourself in the mirror and be honest with yourself and, and be like, this isn't, you know, I think one, I think one of your major skill sets is you're able to be real with yourself and tell yourself the truth. Because if you weren't, if you wouldn't have told yourself the truth, you'd, you'd be working for Exxon. 
You know, if you right. if you'd have just kept doing that because that was the safe play, if you wouldn't have told yourself the truth, you you'd still have a problem and 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 relationships. You'd still and it's all a constant struggle. It's not like you've mastered life yet, but you're you're on a you're on an upward trajectory simply because you're able to look yourself in the mirror and have some self awareness. And I think that that is a skill set that people don't realize the vitalness that that is to their life. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely played a huge positive role in my life. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as far as things go, because you know, after the storm and and my husband and I realized, like, this isn't this isn't us. Like, this is no, we're not doing this anymore. Um. You know, I ended up having to make another big life change. And it was one that really, it made me question my ability to be who I want to be. Yeah. Because I ended up in an Airstream with my daughter (laughs) and a dog. (laughs) And And, uh, And so now you're like, uh, maybe I should be an engineer. Yeah. And no boat, by the way, <laughs> no boat. And, and so, you know, there it was. You put all the eggs in one basket and the basket crashed. I put all of them in one basket. Crashed to and, the and, and Yeah, and then it's just like dripping through the bottom. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I'm watching everything just kind of slowly trickle out of my basket. What's left of it? Because even if the eggs crack, you can put them in the sun and make scrambled eggs. You know, and make them hard again. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I was, I was watching like the yolks just kind of drizzle through onto the ground, and there's just no saving that. And yeah. and so once I got into that airstream, like I do with my personality, trying to find something positive, something great, something creative out of the situation that's going to allow me to get back to a little bit of myself, and. I realized one day because I'm in this trailer park and I won't leave Lamar. Like I'm just here. I'm just going to be here forever. Yeah. I'm not going anywhere. And so like I moved the trailer. I I bought this trailer from a buddy of mine and it's old. It was like a 1974 Airstream. And I didn't know anything about Airstreams. Oh my gosh. What a mistake. (laughs) It was like a huge financial mistake and so but we needed a place to live and I wasn't about to leave Lamar and so I moved this trailer over there and my daughter and I get in there and then we kind of start bonding because here we are it's after the storm and we're gonna renovate it and and of course I was heartbroken I I don't want to sit here and say that I wasn't feeling some sort of grief from the loss of my husband and my life and that, that I was just, okay, you know, chin up, let's go. It was very, very difficult. It was very somber. It was very sad. I felt very sad, Mm -hmm. but you know, for my daughter and for my own sanity, I had to kind of put on that face of like, all right, we're going to renovate it. It's going to be amazing. This is our home because I've always been that kind of person that's like, yeah, man, I could live in an Airstream, you know? Yeah. Sure, I can. 
But how fair is that to my daughter who's 12 years old, you know, coming into being a woman and wanting, you know, having friends and, Mm -hmm. and I almost kind of forgot what it was like to be a kid and how hard it is in today's society for kids to be kids without any kind of judgment from their peers. And so once I realized all this, which was pretty quick, uh, you know, we didn't really have much of another option than to buy another trailer, put it in the same trailer park. But this trailer was really nice and it was big. It was like the size of an apartment. And Penny had her own room and I had my own room. We had our own space. We actually had a kitchen, a stove, like it was functioning. But I knew when I got in there, I said to myself, I said, I can't do this forever. So once I put it in my head that this is just temporary and the harder it pushed me to get my act together, get another boat and start saving some money to get us in a house. Mm. And that took about six months. So you weren't guiding or anything. I wasn't. So what did you do? What did you do? How were you living? I, I ended up picking up a bartending job. And, um, you know, fortunately I, you know, had, had some resources that are set to the side Mm -hmm. that, um, I was able to kind of get the ball rolling and get a boat. And the, the boat was the key because I had $10,000 to buy this boat. And I'm going to tell you something about this boat. (laughs) It is not a Texas boat. I bought it from Isla Mirada. It is a Maverick V. Mm-hmm. It had no GPS on it, and it didn't even have a push pole. And so there I was with this boat that drafts way more than anything I'm used to running for a flats boat with no GPS in the winter time. And I was like, screw it. I need charters. I need to start making some money. I need to start saving up so I can provide my little girl and our little family we have with a home. And so I did. And I started taking people out and I started, I did a ton of charters and I was able to put money aside living in the little trailer. And, um, yeah. And, and that, that running that boat was made me, way a way better uh what what would i call it mariner <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know um Waterman, it, 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 yeah. i i learned so much because it was like there wasn't a day i mean i was safe about it but running with no gps and i ended up getting a push pull but running in a boat like that that's just not meant for here what did you I do mean, without the push pull at first I, I didn't. I borrowed one until I could oh, get okay. another yeah. one. Yeah. And I, I just did what I had to do. I had to make it work. And, uh, you know, being out there and not being able to push as shallow as I want to. I had clients where there's redfish, like, you know, 20 yards up on the bank. And because the tide's so low, I can't get up there and I can't pull this boat over there, you know, without getting stuck. And I just, I had to look at myself and say, be honest with them. Okay, well, I'm sorry. You're not going to be able to cast from the boat. You're going to have to put on wading boots. You're going to have to get out and go get those fish if you want those fish. If not, we're going to keep pulling until we find fish off the shore. And it sucked. 
Right. Because it makes you it f- yeah, you don't want to say that. You don't make you It had my hands yeah. tied behind my back. I was in I was using something that wasn't meant for here. I was trying to make something happen with the wrong tools. And it was really hard. And I was so worried for so long. I was like, oh my God, I'm gonna get the worst reviews. Nobody's gonna want to book me after this. Yeah. Because I didn't want people to have bad experiences, but it's what I had. Right. And so um, you know, after that, I saved up enough money and I bought a house mm. and it was great. And, um, you know, it, it had a little lodge on it and granted it wasn't, I say a house, it was a, it was a home considering we were living in a trailer. Right. Um, it was a single wide mobile home here in Lamar. So I didn't have to leave. And, and it had a little, uh, a little lodge on the property, which had a full kitchen, a bathroom, a shower, and a huge living area. And I'm like, this is perfect because I, my, my clients can stay here. I can live here. My daughter has a wonderful home. This is what I just, I was on cloud nine because things were finally starting to come together. And in a really positive way. And so I knew that I was going to get a different boat eventually. That boat wasn't going to work for me anymore. It just wasn't. And the way that I was talked about and the way that I was looked at by my peers here for even having that boat was embarrassing in itself. But it's what I had to do and it's all I could afford. Yeah. And so, oh, there's so many. There's, I kept, there's, there's so many cool things going on there because to get to the next checkpoint and with the right boat, with the home you want for your daughter, you've got to just jam a square peg in a round hole for a little bit, and it's not the right thing. And at the expense of looking cool, which is really sends a lot of people with their tail tucked between their legs home, is being humiliated, especially in something uh in that for people that are listening to this that it is very much about the look and being cool and looking like you know what you're doing in the outdoor pursuits for sure especially flats fishing it's all about being the coolest kid in school and i think that you daily putting that aside and just taking it on the chin and just racking up trips is it's really cool it's really inspiring to listen to it was also very embarrassing (laughs) which is usually Um, both things are usually taking place at the same time back up a little bit because i don't have a v a maverick v anymore so i don't want any of the listeners (laughs) to sit there and think that i'm still running a maverick v (laughs) i didn't know how appropriate it would be for me to even touch on this subject so i'm going to very quickly and um mindfully talk about how i ended up in the boat that i have now okay in january of this year which wow we're two days away okay so about a year ago i gave a large sum of money to a new boat building company out of Florida to build me a new skiff. I had so much money, which is not a lot in my bank account to put towards a new boat 
because that's what I wanted, right? right. I knew I wasn't going to be in that V anymore. And so I paid these people money and they were supposed to have me a boat by April. And once I realized that wasn't going to happen, I needed to work because I had, they had taken my Maverick V and sold it to another person and they used a portion of those proceeds to go towards this new build on top of some other money that I had in my bank account. And once I, so I was with a boat for about two months thinking I was going to have a boat here pretty quick. And once I realized that I wasn't going to, I ended up using what I had left in the bank to the penny and calling a guy up and saying, Hey, I know you have this 2002 Maverick HPXT for sale uh, in Florida. I will give you this much in cash if you drive it to me in Texas. And I paid him the money and he delivered it that night. Well, he left that night and was here the next day. We fished. It was wonderful. And it was a little nostalgic for me because it's the same boat as my first boat that I bought. So I was really, I was actually kind of smitten by the idea that, oh, you know, one of my biggest regrets was not having that boat anymore. So here I was with this boat again. And it made me kind of feel alive. And I wasn't running that V anymore. And I finally had a boat that was going to perform and do what I needed it to do. And um, bought that with the intention of selling it after I got the new boat. Well, I never got the new boat and I never got my money back. (laughs) So I ended up, yeah. So I, I, here I am a year later in, in this wonderful boat that I have now that performs great. So just so everybody knows I am in, in a great boat for the flats of Texas. Ready to book now. (laughs) (laughs) right exactly so through all this and holy smokes there's a there's been a bunch of them bumps in the road uh is is has surfing for you kind of been the outlet because you know is it is it the is it the way to kind of release all of this stuff and it's there's not money tied to it it's not a job it's still the water you know where where yes yeah, so there there is that component of surfing, but it's also an outlet for me to still be on the water without overdoing myself with the fishing. So I know a lot of people can be out on the water every single day, casting a fish every single day. I have this personality that is, Um, I don't want to burn myself out. I think my biggest fear with fishing is burning myself out. And I have the same fear with surfing. And because when I competed, I, I felt burnt out. I felt forced and, and I kind of pulled away from it a little bit in that aspect. And, um, so surfing for me now, and my daughter loves to do it. So, so my daughter doesn't like fishing. And I'm not going to force that on her. I like it great. She doesn't like it. That's okay. Yeah. But we do share something on the water, which is surfing. And she's very in love with it. And, you know, she's always begging, you know, mom, I want to paddle out with you. And, and so we've made some, we've made some really great 
bonding memories together on the water. And I'm appreciative of that. Um, Surfing for me, because I've been an athlete my whole life. I'm just an athletic person. Um, I was a gymnast. I played volleyball, basketball. Um, And so it's this kind of uh, way for me to kind of stay in touch with that athlete that I have inside of me. Yeah. Um, And and I I love it. You don't you don't want to burn yourself out. But we were talking about before we started recording is you 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 win. (laughs) You still win. Yeah. 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 So um, I actually kind of have a crazy moment that was really redefining for me. And I think anybody who saw the post that I made um, remembers because I think it was one of the most important days of my life. Um, The day my husband told me that he wanted a divorce and I was distraught. I was heartbroken. I didn't know what to do with myself. The very next day I had a surf competition, which was the Texas state championships. And I just kind of wanted to give up and like not go to the contest, which, you know, was, is very normal. I think I kind of just wanted to lay around and cry and wallow and, and just be alone. Um, and I got a call from one of my girlfriends who also competes and she says, I don't care what's happening. I need you here. Like, I want you to come. You need to come. And it took everything inside of me to get up, load my boards. I had no sleep. I was running on like four hours of sleep and just showed up looking like ratchet, bad, hair messed up, (laughs) bags under my eyes. Didn't even have like a matching bathing suit. I was a mess. And... I show up and I'm like, okay, I'm here, you know, and had kind of expressed some things that had happened to a couple of my closest girlfriends who also compete. And, you know, we just kind of hugged each other and, and high-fived each other. All right, let's do this. It's state champs. Like this is going to be fun. And before the contest had even started, I just realized how important it was for me to be out there with my girls, you know, and these women that share the same passions that I do, who have been through their own uh, trials and tribulations of life. And so I, I didn't feel alone at all. And so the contest starts and you know, I, I did the longboard and shortboard division, the longboard women's and then the shortboard uh, masters. Um, and I ended up taking state champ in both divisions. And I surfed better than I had surfed all season or just in general because there was this part of me, I think, when I look back on it now that just needed to kind of cry physically and um and I did and it showed uh and it showed and I didn't go out there thinking about 
the fact that I was now going through a divorce. I didn't go out there thinking about all of these drastic traumatic changes that were taking place. I just went out there to surf and, but everything else kind of inadvertently came through and, and made me shine. And so when I won, I was in disbelief and I'm about to start crying just talking about it. I'm sorry. No, this is an awesome, awesome story. (laughs) Because I was standing there next to these women and I just knew I had lost because of how I felt. Yeah. I felt like I had lost. And when they started calling fourth place and third place and I was still standing there. You're like, I'm not even going to place. I'm like, oh my God, you know? And then the girl turns to me and she hugs me. And I guess I just didn't hear. I hugged her like she won. And she starts walking off and I start walking off and they're like, Casey, wait, you know, here. And, and she, she like had to like hug me again and say, no, you won, you got it. And that was just one division. And so I am immediately just bawling and these women are clapping for me and, you know, and I just, I had felt so worthless Mm. and, um, and then, of course, we go on to the next division, and then there I am standing there with girls younger than me and and pulling out the same thing. And then, and then I kind of had this doubt in my mind, too. Like, did somebody tell them what happened to me and they feel bad for me, so they gave me first place? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> did they vote that... me prom queen because they feel yeah, bad? Yeah, <laughs> because they feel bad for me. Oh, but goodness. really, what, what I was going through was very personal, and it wasn't it wasn't announced, you know? And so I, I, I just stood there and I, it was, it may not seem like a lot to someone else looking at it like, Oh great. You know, Texas state surfing championships, whatever. It was a big deal to me, not because I was state champ, but because I was literally told 12 hours before that, that I'm divorcing you and your life is forever going to change. And I went and I did it anyways, whether I was going to win or not. And the winning was just something that made me feel so powerful and good and confident. And it, it just, it, it, a part of me, something that I love was shining. Yeah. And, and I loved it. And it was, it was such a monumental moment lesson that I still look back on today because it doesn't matter like how hard it gets for me there's something that's I know that it's possible to just be okay and be proud of yourself and like maybe I'm not doing so well in this or maybe I'm not doing so well in that but I really excel in this and and that's okay and just being proud with the, of these different things that make up who I am. And so sorry I got emotional there. It was a really emotional day for me. Well, um, no, it, it that, that there's them I really appreciate you being as honest as you as you were there and it and I it comes with emotion. Um 
there's something really cool to take away from that is like you're on your way to really becoming dangerous because of how willing you're becoming to lean into pain instead of just scamper from it like most of us uh because i i think pain and beautiful living are they're like next door neighbors and when some of our highest forms of expression i don't if whether you're playing a piano concert or at the texas state surf championships we express ourselves so beautifully and raw and honestly when when we're hurting and i think it's really it's a really cool story that i'm going to tuck away as far as something to remember is we don't ever need to cancel something or 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 reschedule when something hurts really bad because it might just be the opportunity we need to really express ourselves. Absolutely. Honestly, you know, Absolutely. That's a really cool story. Um, you also, are you the, the, the founder of she on the fly? I am. What, I mean, <laughs> I do, am. Do you, do you sleep or do you, <laughs> <laughs> you need to rest. You no, to there's a sh- girl who runs it for me now. She's fabulous. Her name is Kim Uhas and she uh she's amazing and uh And she on the fly is what What is it? So, so people know. It's just it's it's just uh it's it's a it's a social media account where it's a platform for women to share themselves and fishing amongst other women and this isn't and I always say this when I do it because it's she on the fly. It's not because we're excluding men. That's not what this is. Mm-hmm. It's this is not like a we feel like and and this is us. I don't know about the women that we feature on the site, but how yeah. we feel is, you know, we're all equal, whatever. This isn't we're not sitting here saying men treat us differently or not. That's not right. what this is. So we need to separate ourselves and make our own account. It was just something that is more niche that we wanted to highlight. And and I think the girl who runs it now does a really good job of that. And I'm super proud of what she on the fly is and what it's done and what it's become. And and I yeah, I, I couldn't be more grateful for, for being a part of that. Well, and I you said something interesting there is we, we're all equal and but and I think it's very important that people don't try to act like men and women are the same either you know like we're right because we're we we both bring something to the table in a very different way and i you know was because i didn't want i hate when people talk to women and what it is that they're doing is they the whole storyline is oh it's amazing and you're a woman like that's not the point but there is a different that you bring a different expression you bring a different take on things on lifestyle on fishing on surfing you know coming from coming to it as a woman and i think that take is is, it's it's essential and it's an important uh voice to take in and understand and i think it's really cool it's not it's not about hey we can do it too this isn't rosie the riveter that we're talking about here it's just you know the the idea why we're called man child is we act like men and prideful and things that we should be childlike about and we act like children and things that we should be grown men about and a lot of that has to do with 
um, you know, sharing a life and a lifestyle with women and vice versa. It's just right. And I think that it's it's we have to become more grown up with these conversations that we're having instead of it always just being so superficial and surface level when it comes to talking to and, and affirming women. Um, you're a bad mamma jamma. <laughs> I mean, yeah. is, well, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> I mean, there's, uh, yeah, there's, there's some really, really cool, um, struggle well stories going on here. Um, and you're, and you're, you're tackling if you, I mean, I can edit anything you want me to say or don't want to say. So you're, but you're in the midst right now of tackling sobriety, right? I am. Yeah. And that, um, that, how did that decision come about? Uh, so my daughter was going to her dad's for Thanksgiving and her, her, a lot of time over there is like, however long she's out of school. And it was, it ended up being like, a week and a half or a week plus two extended weekends. And my birthday also was my birthday's on the 25th. So sometimes my birthday's on Thanksgiving. Sometimes it's right before, right after, I don't know, but it's around the holidays and the holidays are tough for me right now. You know, they're tough for my family. You know, my dad's very ill. And, um, and so it's just kind of, it was, it's just an emotional time, the holidays. And I think a lot of people can relate to that. Um, so you, you know, I, I wanted to celebrate my birthday. I wasn't sure how to do it. You know, I think the older I get, I'm like, well, what do I do? Mm-hmm. You know, do I, I got four friends, <laughs> you know, I don't know what they're all doing, <laughs> you know, yeah. but I, there was this part of me that wanted to feel acknowledged on my birthday, yeah. but I'm glad it didn't happen because here's why I ended up being alone. And, and then I realized I was going to be alone for Thanksgiving too. And, and so when I was alone for my birthday, I felt lonely Mm -hmm. and, and it kind of gave me this quiet time with myself to sit there and go, okay, Casey, like, let's look at myself for a minute. Why are you so sad right now? And I realized, well, let's start picking apart the things that I do on a daily basis that maybe contribute to being sad or unhappy or unmotivated. And the first one that came to mind that is was a very, very uh, present thing in my life was booze. And it's not that I got drunk every day and I didn't, you know, I didn't get wasted. It wasn't, I did sometimes, but, um, it was just something that kind of had a little bit of control, uh, to what I was going to do with my evenings, Mm. um, or my days off when I didn't have my kid and it was, you know, 85 degrees outside. Like, I'm going to sit around and day drink at my house. And I didn't, it was all fun when I was doing that, but it wasn't fun when I had to wake up the next day mm-hmm. and felt like crap or 
it wasn't fun, you know, having two bottles of wine in the evening with my, you know, a couple buddies. I wanted to be, I knew deep down inside, I wanted to be doing something else, you know, like I'm adventurous. I wanted adventure and alcohol does not allow me to adventure. Right. And definitely doesn't allow me to adventure on an emotional in a in an emotional self. Um, you know, I felt one way most of the time, and that was grind, work, you know, get through the day, and then drink. Because at the end of the day, after a hard day of work, I would sit there and be like, "Well, this is just what we do." You know, we have drinks after we get off of work. Mm. And, um, so I spent this time alone and realized how much of a, of a part of my life I had made it and decided, you know, well, I'm just going to take this week and I'm not, I'm not going to participate. And I spent 13 days by myself locked inside of my house. A couple of those days I did take myself fishing. I went, I went out a couple days alone and, um, had some good fun with myself on the boat. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, 13 days, I locked myself inside and I just kind of, it is kind of like, it was like you would picture somebody detoxing in some sort of like, I don't know, you know, yeah. I, I don't know. You know, I just went through all these emotional changes and differences and, uh, ups and downs with myself in a room where I was kind of forced to look at myself in a really, really honest way and go, dude, you have not been great. Mm. And I think it's, I think we need to change a little bit of that. And so, you know, once I made it the 13 days and went through my emotional kind of whatever I needed to, I just realized, you know what, this is not important to me. And I'm a grown up now. I need to put my big girl panties on and realize like I need to start making decisions, putting things into my life that are beneficial, that are healthy, that are things that are going to make me a better person. And so I stuck with it and now I'm proud of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to keep it. It's something that I look forward to every day. Um, I don't look forward to drinking a beer after work. I look forward to saying I didn't have a drink today because right. I don't, I'm not, I don't, I'm not a drinker anymore. Mm. Um, so that's where I'm at with that. And I'm proud of it. I really am. And I think anybody else who's been through anything like that, where they have given up on something that, you know, they invited into their life as something that probably started as, uh, you know, just a good time uh, that turned into something a little bit more than that or maybe a lot more. And they are on a path to not having that or are already have gotten rid of it that kudos to you because this is it's it's not easy, but it's definitely something to be proud of. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Casey, you are living a rich life. You're not rich, but you're living a rich life. Um, and there's so much to, that people you've, you've gifted people with 
in this conversation to um, that they can take away. And one of the major themes is just just being honest, just being honest with yourself and and that that dreaded quiet place that we try to avoid so that we're not confronted with our own self. Uh, you've you've made you've gotten really good at going and 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 doing that and your rewrites in your story is just making your story um more and more enchanting and more interesting to watch and we're you know at, at Manchild, we're over here we're cheering you on so and we're just we're just getting to know your story um so how do we get on the boat with you how do people do it okay so um I'm often on social media, so a lot of people reach out via my Instagram, okay. you know, um, which is fine. I have a lot of people that book like that. Uh, you can email me. It's uh, info, she on the fly at gmail.com, all spelled out. Or you can go to my website, which is flatsfishtexas.com, all spelled out. And uh, on the website, there's all kinds of information, you know, what you can expect out here, how to be prepared, uh, what our fishery is like. And we have a year-round fishery here. Uh, it is better some months than others, you know, but uh, I like to encourage people to come whenever they're available to come. Just because, you know, it, you think it's winter time doesn't mean that it couldn't be an epic day of fishing. Right. Or uh, just because it's... 90 degrees outside uh, in the middle of July doesn't mean that it's not going to be epic fishing. Gotcha. So, um, yeah. So, and, and I invite everyone to come on the boat. You know, you don't even have to fly fish, uh, you know, you just, you know, wanting to be out there and seeing what it's all about and, you know, just having the experience of seeing the fish and their behavior and their element and what they do. And, uh, and then hopefully, you know, pulling on a few, uh, is is what I like to the kind of presence I like to have on the boat, you know. So um, yeah, all all anglers, you know. Even I had one guy who had never even picked up a fly rod before, and we kind of hung out and worked on it for fifteen minutes, and the next thing you know, he caught a sheep's head on fly. Wow. So, which is like the hardest thing to catch in Texas. Yeah, that kind of makes me and mad. The flats, that story. Yeah, I, I think he was a little bit. Uh, I don't think he had any idea what had taken place right. and how how awesome that was. Right. But it's you know, it, I I just I want to encourage more people to get out and experience the water mm. because my love I wouldn't have my love for it if I, my grandpa wasn't taking me out as a child on a boat right. with a guide, yep. you know, and, and it really did ignite something inside of me that's lifelong. And so I want to share that with everybody. Well, we're coming to visit you. Man child's coming to see you and we're going to do, I'm a, ready an adventure in amateur. <laughs> I want to be the first surf and fish package. That's what I totally. Want. So, Oh, that'll be such a blast too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, you, you talked about catching the sheep. So you know the first fish I ever caught on the fly, and there ain't been many, all right. But the first fish, and this is this is how wrong I was doing it, and it shouldn't have happened. I caught a flounder, the first fish. Nice. That doesn't even make sense. That shouldn't even happen. You know what I mean? I catch fly. I just figured out the flounder game. I have no idea like how it happened. I'll never do it again. I don't know how. <laughs> Well, I wouldn't say no. I think it just drug around on the ground, and I had no idea, and it got up and attacked it. 
I caught a fish. I decided to rent a paddleboard. I'm like, oh, I saw that on Instagram. Just being an idiot. And I go out mm-hmm. there, fall off of the paddleboard, f- drown. The, the rod is flailing around everywhere. It starts pulling back. Nasty, nasty catfish. Caught one as I fell off the, the board. Stupidest thing of all time. So this is what you're dealing with. This is what's coming down. <laughs> well, it, it'll be a good time no yeah. matter what. So. Yeah. Uh, anything else? We missing anything? No. I think that's it. Yeah, there's a lot going on here. Casey, thank you so much for being on the Man Child Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Seriously, it was nice to kind of let all that out. Yeah. It It was really nice. So there you go. There you have it. Hope you enjoyed it. So much stuff. So many things to ponder there. Um... And just some really, really cool adventure throughout all of it. All right. Uh, thank you so much, as always, to our best of friends and producer and engineer or whatever we call it, uh, Patrick Davis, for keeping us posted and keeping the site up and running. Thank you to David Lessing for the original uh creation writing and performance of the man child podcast jingle and uh to charlie crockett with the nine pound hammer um really like that song so guys get out there immerse yourself in things that scare you as long as it's healthy and uh and don't let anybody tell you you can't and uh that's 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 man child that's what we're all about all right love you guys and uh, let's it just keep on moving, low. keep on keeping on. All right, see ya. This time found Emma killed my brother, but it won't kill me. No, it won't kill me. Buddy, don't you roll too slow. How can I roll when the wheels won't go? Roll on, brother, but take your time. Oh, I'm broke down and I can't make mine. Nine pound hammer Step to heaven Oh my size Oh my size